0: According to the greatest lay Catholic mind of our time, Austin Everet, Francis is the great reformer and is personally responsible for the rebirth and reorganization of the Catholic Church in the 21st century, now all but free of the chains of rigidity and mean-spiritedness that held it back from becoming what the Church can truly become. And the latest move to get the Church into the 21st century has just been announced by the Vatican. From Reuters, we get this. I had to adjust the headline a little bit, and you'll see why but it pretty much sums up this entire pontificate in one shot. Vatican Swiss Guard new barracks designed to include well everyone the world would want us to include in the pope's personal protection newspaper says Now, that's reassuring, especially given the common thread in Catholic prophecy over the millennia that says the Holy See will be wiped away and the Pope will flee Rome before meeting his own end. Now, I'm sure this move is designed to really beef up the Pope's protection and not to be just another giveaway to the values of the world. Because really, that's all this reign of mercy and kindness under Francis has been. One giveaway to the world after another. But a common theme has been noticed by pretty much everyone. Rigidity, which really means adhering to the traditional faith and he really seems to detest it. Francis had some choice words on the subject recently on a trip, and we'll have to go over it now. We finally have an understanding of what precisely it is that Francis detests about our sacred tradition, about traditional Catholicism, and about those meany, doo-doo-headed trads, specifically why he zeroes in on the term rigid so much. Francis the Great and Merciful has been doing his tour of Slovakia, and he had some fascinating things to say that really leaves open without a doubt that his animating theology, that driving idea of what God is and what man's relationship is to him for Francis, is much closer to that of, say, the Unitarians than it is anything recognizably Catholic. By the way, a special shout out to Rich, who pointed out the obvious thing that I was missing there with the Unitarian idea, something I'll have to go into more later. But let's take a look at Francis's contempt for rigidity. At his talk in Slovakia to the bishops, priests, and religious of Slovakia, he said, quote, A church that leaves no space for the adventure of freedom, even in the spiritual life, risks becoming rigid and self enclosed. So the church must leave space open for the freedom of adventure, even in the spiritual life, or else it becomes rigid and enclosed. Now, for the moment, we'll disregard the question of what he means by implication of freedom of adventure outside of spiritual life, though I'm sure Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is quietly squealing with glee and prancing about at the implication. Instead, let's just say it, Francis outright rejects the notion that heresy even exists, because to be open to spiritual adventure for the Church means that all dogmas can and must be questioned. Think about that for just a moment. Think back to his rejection Various Marian titles, the rejection of historical papal titles, all of it, and instead his openness to every idea under the sun about God. Say, for one, that of the meany, rigid, neo-neo-pharisaical trads who just once checks notes here, uh, let me check my notes here, the same faith as our great-grandparents and the church to stand in opposition to the errors of the world. Well, then, that's quite the thing for Francis to just come out and say, isn't it? Oh, but no, it gets better. Not only must the church be free to pursue spiritual adventurism, the church must also work to get rid of rigidity. Quoting Pacapapa papa Francis in this season of creation, quote, I encourage you to help set people free from rigid religiosity, to help them become free so that no one feels overwhelmed or crushed and that everyone can discover the freedom of the gospel, end quote. So we can find the gospel if we reject rigid religiosity. Does this sound like all those otherwise probably nice folks who show up in the comments of my podcast and other Catholic shows to tell us that Jesus didn't found a religion, he started a gospel movement, or whatever? If it sounds familiar, well, it should, because that's exactly what he's saying here. But he's artful in how he does it. Here's what I mean. Pay attention to what he says here, which comes from the print edition of the reporting on this from cath.net a German language outlet. Listen carefully, because he says something pretty heinous when you consider it in the light of the history of the Church, its role in the world and its purpose according to Christ. He dresses it up in some pretty Catholic-sounding language, which is what makes it so dangerous. Quote, The Church is not a fortress, not a ruler, not a lofty castle that looks down on the world with a distant and arrogant look. Unity, fellowship, and dialogue are always fragile, especially when a painful story has left scars. The memory of wounds can lead to resentment, distrust, or even contempt, and lead us to build fences in front of those who are different from us. Wounds, however, can also be openings. That, similar to the wounds of the Lord, allows God's mercy to penetrate, his life-changing grace that makes us people who make peace and reconcile. I know that you have a beautiful saying, Give bread to him who throws a stone at you. This is very much in line with the gospel. It is Jesus' invitation to break the vicious circle of violence and turn the other cheek to those who hit us, and thus to conquer evil with good. See Romans chapter 12, verse 21, end quote. He goes on to tell the story of a Jesuit cardinal, Cardinal Korak, who had been in the custody of some group or state that had animosity to the church. Long list of that out there. And upon his release in the year 2000, he visited Rome, lit candles, and begged Christ for mercy for his captors. And you know what? That's a beautiful and commendable thing, and I have no problem with it whatsoever, to be clear. It is an embodiment of the gospel. I know nothing else about that cardinal at all. But notice something here. He says something that he honestly believes that is nasty, and then sugarcoats it with a beautiful, Catholic-sounding example, and most people miss the ugliness because of the beauty. Here's the ugly part again. Quote, The church is not a fortress, not a ruler, not a lofty castle that looks down on the world with a distant and arrogant look. End quote. The church has never been that, at all. That's always been the lie told by the church's enemies throughout history, but the correction for that loftiness and arrogance is apparently a rejection of rigidity, and embracing dialogue for rigidity, that is, remember, faithfulness to the deposit of the faith and a real desire to know the faith and love it like we do. Rigidity is that great evil which he, by sleight of hand, compared to the wicked men who held the cardinal for many years. What a piece of work! There are two figures important for Francis' history that really were masters at labeling those they didn't like as rigid, while trying to sound pastoral and Catholic. The first was Cardinal Joseph Bernardin of Chicago, who helped to normalize the super and very devout Catholics, who embraced the Moloch procedure that these days has so many people mad at the great state of Texas. Bernardin did this by reminding the faithful to not be so rigid in defense of things that needed to be defended, to the point where he rejected calls to prevent these Catholics in the public eye from receiving the Eucharist. Thanks, Cardinal Bernadin. Thanks a lot. The other figure was Cardinal Martini, who was supposed to be the Francis before Francis if the papacy had opened up in the 1990s, but of course that didn't happen. Martini died in 2012, and his obituary has an interesting detail in it. In a book he wrote, he presented two visions for the future of the Church. Buckle up for this one, guys. Quote, In one of his later books, Il Vescovo, The Bishop, Published by Rosenberg and Sellier in 2011, Martini considers the delegate subject of authority within the Church. He presents readers with two intriguing portraits representing the opposite faces of authority, a rigid one that is incapable of listening, and one that is inspired by the Word of God, taking into consideration the human person. A bishop is a pastor of men and of souls. He has a huge responsibility because he is the heir to the apostolic tradition. He is the spiritual guide of the Church, the diocese that unites parishes and communities of Christian faithful. If his role is limited to that of authority, neglecting his personal pastoral task of educating and testifying the gospel as a humble servant to the Lord's Church, his real role ceases, becoming instead a role of ecclesiastical authority that is neither prophetic nor linked to a genuine evangelical dimension. End quote. And what does that cleric who is rigid become? Remember Francis's other favorite term for traditional Catholics? Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? In Christ's time, they were the traditional believers, but they were hypocrites, as our Lord said, saying one thing but doing another, to the point where Christ said to do what they said but not what they did. Which, by the way, hate to be the one to break this to you, is something that we, inclusive of me, traditional Catholics, need to remember in our own time. If we are going to talk about living lives of faith, then we should actually live lives of faith and do works of mercy and charity and all the rest of what is expected of a Catholic who truly knows and loves our Lord. We must do the things that will help us to know and love our Lord. The entire reason Francis's charges of rigidity and being pharisaical stick to us is because in many cases, there's more than a slight element of truth to it. But instead of being a shepherd and correcting us for the sake of our souls, we're kicked to the curb treated as outcasts in our own church, all while being made into an excuse to push ever forward with a program steeped in heresy and error. We're not aiding in it, to be clear, we are merely a convenient excuse for cover for actions against the deposit of the faith. Pope Leo XIII, a personal favorite of mine, who before Pius X was battling the modernists in his own right, had these choice words to say about men like Paco Papa Francis, Cardinals, Bernadin and Martini, and the rest of them. Quote, These most crafty enemies, the devils, have filled and inebriated with gall and bitterness the church, the spouse of the Immaculate Lamb, and have laid impious hands on her most sacred possessions. In the holy place itself, where has been set up the sea of the most holy Peter, and the chair of truth for the light of the world, they have raised the throne of their abominable impiety, with the iniquitous design that when the pastor has been struck, the sheep may be scattered. End quote. That when the pastor has been struck, the sheep may be scattered. Again, this all sounds very familiar, especially given that Francis has said that he'll probably be responsible for starting a schism. But remember, we, even in our sinful worst, are the reason, or we will be the reason when it finally does happen, because that's how it's going to play out. We will be made to be the reason for the schism. Certainly not Pacapapa Francis, who only wants to unify the church to the values of the world and a vague, sentimental notion of being a good person that he calls the gospel and that we should all just go along with it, remember. People tend to forget that the gospel message begins with repentance, repenting, and ceasing sinning, and then we're to pick up our crosses and follow our blessed Lord to Calvary. Very little of that is ever in his messages, and it shows. So Francis's Slovakia trip was as much of a fireworks-filled show as you'd probably expect. But who's really surprised by this anyway? Let me know what you thought of all this in the comments, please, and I'll give you a hint about two things I'm working on. This weekend, I have my first episode explaining modernism, focusing on one or two core tenets of it so you can understand what is meant by modernism. And I'm going to do this probably monthly or so, and it'll be an ongoing project for quite some time, because it's a big topic. The other thing is that Francis inspired me to record for Sunday St. Alphonsus Liguori's most infamous sermon on just how hard it is to get to heaven and how our sins can destroy us, so be ready for that. A lot of people think he was wrong on that. But here's the thing. His role as one of the greatest minds in the Church's history and one of the greatest teachers of the faith in the history of the Church, he was given a formal title about that, makes it impossible to be true. Because if he had been, ele- he could not have been elevated to that position if he had been wrong on those things. But anyway, Francis inspired me, so let me know what you think of this declaration that the Church must abandon fidelity to the deposit of the faith. And like and subscribe if you haven't yet. It really does help. And as always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.